Hi, this is Lisa Davis, and welcome to another episode of Talk Healthy Today. The show provides you with the latest research tools and common sense tips you need to get and stay healthy starting today. People tell me listening to the show is like overhearing two friends talking about really incredible health topics that you want to know about. I like to really get to know my guests and I'd like you to get to know them as well. So we delve really deeply into topics and I like to share some personal anecdotes as well. To make sure you never miss an episode of Talk Healthy Today, be sure to subscribe, also rate and review. Wouldn't it be great if there was one health book out there that actually addressed your whole body, mind, spirit? Well, let me tell you, there is. It is called Clean Eating, Dirty Sex. It is not about dirty sex. It is a play off the word clean, sensual superfoods and aphrodisiac practices for ultimate sexual health and connection. This book is a healthy lifestyle guide. There are over 40 top experts from functional medicine physicians to registered dietitians to exercise physiologists to psychologists, sexologists, all engaged to help you live your happiest, healthiest life. There are over 50 fantastic healthy and delicious recipes. It is also a memoir where I, because I am the author of this book, Lisa Davis, share some very personal stories. Some are heartbreaking, some are funny, to help you get to where you need to be, to understand that it does take time to change, but that I am here along with all the other health experts in the book to help you. Don't let the title fool you. This book will help your communication, your intimacy, how you relate to your partner, how you relate to yourself. But if you do what the book says, it will also help you in every aspect of your health. So please go now. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. It's sold in local bookstores across the country. Check it out. Clean eating, dirty sex. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Talk Healthy Today. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends and family. I do this show with Active Interest Media. They do some wonderful magazines like Clean Eating Magazine, Vegetarian Times, Better Nutrition, Yoga Journal, and more. So it's just an absolute joy for me to be doing this show for them. If you listen to the show, you know that I am a dog fanatic and I am grateful because my dogs get me out every single day. Now I am a nature lover. I I love to get outside, but living in the Northeast, I don't think in January when it's 15 degrees, I would be going out or 20 degrees. And don't worry, I put booties on my dogs. Their feet are fine. But the point is nature is so important and getting in touch with being outside and doing something physical can really help your overall health. So I'm really excited today to have the wonderful William Pullen. He is an author. He is a speaker. He is a psychotherapist, and he helps people get healthy using something called dynamic running therapy in addition to regular therapy. And he's just an all-around great guy. Hi, William. (laughs) Thanks, Lisa. (laughs) What an introduction. Well, it's really great to have you on the program. So I watched your TEDx talk, which is great. And you mentioned three things at the beginning. You really came out with a bang. You said, these are things that you can tackle. This is mental health, obesity, and loneliness. You also talked about growing up in a fairly dysfunctional family and that you were the peacekeeper and protector, and it it didn't really allow you to have room for your feelings. Tell us a little bit about your childhood, and then we'll go back to those big three that I mentioned. I was born in Switzerland, and God, if we're going to start with my birth, this is going to take a long time. I was born in Switzerland, uh, and then grew up, and then moved to Hong Kong, back to Switzerland, back to, to Hong Kong, and then to boarding school in England. My parents kept on moving around the world. 
And um, as I sort of allude to in the in the TEDx, uh, actually, I make a bigger point, I think, out of, uh, yeah, this slightly dysfunctional family. My father's a busy man and an old school man. I sometimes describe myself as the son of Don Draper. He was an advertising guy. And my mother was a, a bit like Don Draper's wife, who starts drinking and very elegant, um, quite ballsy. Am I allowed to say that on a Yes, on a of podcast? course. Great. Yes. <laughs> a modern ballsy woman, but definitely the kind that prefers men. She still is, by the way. She's still with us, just. And uh, uh, and so I think you you know the, the the bit that I talk about on the podcast in terms of my background is just that. You know, when you come back from boarding school and you know you've got a father that's angry at your mother, and uh, it's just not it's not very easy. It's not. Um, uh, and as the eldest son, you feel yourself sort of um, see how I'm still talking about myself in third, almost in the third person. Yes, <laughs> I didn't find it. <laughs> Years of therapy. I didn't find it very easy uh, to um, uh, just to sit by. And so I tried to um, deflate these uh, escalations. Um, of course, I remember myself as busy, but my sister I, you know, finds out a role that she she thought that she had, being the oldest child. I was the oldest son. Anyway, so that's that's the sort of background. Well, you know, it was interesting because in the talk, you talked about that you had a meltdown in 2006 and that you realized mm. you needed to make a change. And so you took up psychotherapy yourself and running, and then you decided you wanted to be a psychotherapist. So take us back to that time. So I was in a, a, a two-year relationship with a girl from another country, another faith, another region of the world, another, she was younger than me as well. Anyway, our families didn't get on that well. Not that they ever met. I mean, my family met with her, but my family never met with her family because they were in this other country. And they didn't particularly want to meet my family because of this difference in religion. And uh, anyway, so that was one of our many, many problems. But it, uh, many of them had to do more with, with on a personal level, but they were between, as they normally are, you know, between the pair of us. Anyway, to cut a long story short, we broke up after about two years of, of trying to sort of wrestle ourselves into making a go of this thing against all odds, like Romeo and Julia, if only. And... Um, I sort of descended into a massive depression and uh, thought, what the hell am I going to do to get out of this? And I was lucky because I happened to be seeing my doctor on some other business. And he said, are you okay? And I said, well, you know, I've had better weeks or better times in my life or however I put it. Being English, I was, you know, probably downplayed it. And, um, and then he said, why don't you try out antidepressants after I gave him a, a, a more honest description of where I was in my life. And he made a rather compelling, which, you know, I would recommend to any of your listeners. I know that you're a public health guru. So I don't know. Do you do you support the use of um, antidepressants? I actually do. I mean, I think it's a case by case. But I have known yeah. people that they have been helpful for. Yes, I think that's a very nice way to put it. I think what he I was reluctant. And what he said to me is he said, right now, you've got a repetitive, very negative voice in your head 
And he said, it's going to take a long time for the rest of you to adjust to that. And you could be in this for many months, if not years. Um, he said, if you take these drugs, that voice will slow down. and It'll give you the opportunity to, uh, to start making some other changes in your life, the lifestyle changes and choices. And you won't just be stuck, you know, in one place. Uh, which is exactly how I felt. And and actually, his description was perfect because that's exactly how it went for me. It really did. After about two or three weeks, the voices, the sound, the, the negative record playing in my head, it slowed down. Uh, the voice became softer. Um, the, the criticism became less harsh. And uh, that's when I took up therapy and I took up running. Well, you know, I started the show talking about my own love of nature. I mentioned that because it, you talk about the healing of nature and being outside and how important it is. And you talk about that in your wonderful book, Running with Mindfulness, Dynamic Running Therapy, DRT to Improve Low Mood, Anxiety, Stress, and Depression. We're going to jump into that. But before we do, I wanted to focus on how you talked about in that in your TEDx talk that you would meet your friend at the park. And it, it, I love that you said this. You said it, it not only gave you a sense of purpose, but you said that you found the conversations flowed freely if they were focused and that you were tapping into the things you were avoiding, avoiding most of your life. Well, so, so I didn't arrange to meet up with my friend in order to have these conversations. It was rather, it was an excuse to get out of the house and be healthy right. and go for a walk, which is important if you're depressed is to get out and get fresh air. But then we decided we would try and run a hundred meters at a time and, and grow up. And as we were running, and I must be honest, it was also as I was in, in psychotherapy, these subjects were, were central to my life. I found myself talking about my life. And what you've just alluded there to was this, this thing which I, I've spoken to a million runners since then. Um, and it was this, when you run, a couple of different things happen, I find. People I've spoken to have found that it can be very problem-solving in a strange way. You can walk, you can set out on a run on a Tuesday morning, overwhelmed by some dilemma. Uh, it might be personal business, and by the end of the run, a solution will have presented itself. Now, something happens during that run. I don't know what it is because it's a bit like when you wake up in the morning with an answer. I did not. You know, I do not seek an answer. One isn't trying to crunch it. It's just sudden something changes in the mindset. You go from being somebody who's overwhelmed to somebody who has clarity and decision making. And suddenly at the end of it, being this person, you now look at the same problem again. And suddenly you know what you want to do, or at least you know enough. So that's part of it. Another part of it is, yeah, this, this bit I talk about where... I've experienced, and, and I've seen a lot of my clients too, as you run and you discuss a subject, words start to come up, ways of expressing it might be different. Um, just a connection to the subject, and you're much more liberated when you're trying to talk about it, because of course your mind is on, is looking at the terrain around you, trying not to run into trees. <laughs> so you have that just ideal amount of distraction. So that 10% of you that's normally watching you, watching you, um, is watching a tree. And so you, 
And of course, you're, you're running side by side with somebody. So you have this confidence that they've decided to take this journey with you, a bit like when you're sitting on a greyhound and sharing your life story with somebody there. But well, I think we're programmed to share our stories while moving. And so, yeah, I, I could go on and on and on about why I think it works so well. Well, I, I just love that. And I love too how you, you, you said in the talk, uh, movement helps bring up feelings from deep within. And I used to do a type of therapy called bioenergetic therapy. And you would get into these weird kind of postures that were kind of physically uncomfortable. And you would, sh your body would shake, it just kind of helped me get deeper within myself. And I found it to be incredibly effective. So it made me think of that. That's interesting. So give us an example of one of those poses so you're standing you're going to bend over to touch your toes and you're just going to stay hanging yeah. and you if okay. you do that long enough your thighs or the back of your thighs excuse me your hamstrings will literally start to shake and i could you could do that to the point where you could start crying like if you were talking about something really heavy or something that was kind of trapped it was almost a way of letting go yeah you know I, I went for a run this morning and but not with a client this was one of my personal runs where i run faster and for longer of course and um i, I was running with my friend hugh who is my regular wednesday morning run running partner we were running down the thames river very beautiful morning autumn leaves on the ground in the trees and I definitely notice my speed and, and how you enjoy the run changes according to what you're talking about. So if you talk about nothing, you may or may not go into the zone and, uh, and be happy. Personally, I prefer to either talk or be listening or, or listening to something. I find it distracting. But what you listen to. So sometimes what I'll do is, well, years ago when I started this and I was practicing this with friends, I would start reciting Shakespeare you know, the, the most uh, sort of, um, uh, the kind of stuff that would puff your chest up, you know, uh, I have the heart of an Englishman, I may be a queen of England, but I have the heart of a king, or however it goes. Those, those ones, um, oh, na nature, where are there? I can't remember it right now, but, uh, and one would get really worked up, you know. But then, of course, at Shakespeare, <laughs> It's not my work. I'm just reciting Shakespeare. And, and when it's one of these great speeches before a battle, Henry V or whoever it is, you get very worked up. Sometimes, like this morning, I was discussing politics with my friend, and I got very worked up talking about my frustration with, with Brexit and all the rest of it. And I tell you what, you just notice yourself going faster and faster, and within a second, the whole run's gone. And you're just like a run that that you're not talking and you're not enjoying can feel like three hours and a run where you get distracted and you're talking about something you really care about, the love of a woman, the loss of, a, of, of your love or, or politics, whatever it is, if it's a subject you're invested in, that run just sort of evaporates in front of you. Yeah, that is very true. I want to talk a little bit about empathy runs or walks. This was such a great idea and I love that you've said about them they don't just bring answers, they bring community. And that's going to bring us right back to when I talked to him in the beginning, I mentioned you mentioned three things, mental health, obesity, and loneliness. I think there's a lot of lonely yeah. people. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I uh, Actually, I just came back 
last week from uh, consulting for uh, a major shoe brand. I'm trying to persuade them to make empathy runs part of their program. Um, empathy runs are a sort of solution to uh, to loneliness. They're, they're not a perfect one. Nothing I talk about is perfect. It's not as one size fits all. But uh, if if you watch my TED talk, which is called uh, Movement is Medicine, you'll see me describe it in quite some length or even more length. It's on my website or, or in my book. But essentially, it's it's two people. One begins as a talker and then transitions to the listener and vice versa. Typically, you do 10 minutes each. And as you've just mentioned there, and, I, and thank you for bringing up that community line because I was very happy with oh, that. Oh, I That's love it. My best. Yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you you heard that because I was very. That was my best piece of writing, I think. Um, it, it's so crucial to have an empathy run work or walk. You can you can do either. Uh, critical to it is just that you're uninterrupted. So the person that's decided to do the talking, that the listener must not interrupt. They must not try to uh, provide solutions, to provide encouragement, to provide care. None of these things. You're just providing community. Because when you do that, when you're with somebody and you just share that moment with them, one, it takes away all the burden of me having to look after all of your feelings you've just told me about, if indeed you tell me about any feelings. Because I tell everybody, talk about you know your favorite dog, talk about what you had dinner for for dinner last night, it's surprising how close you can get to somebody, whether they're talking about their impending divorce or uh, their favorite cake. Sometimes you can get a lot closer to somebody talking about cake. Um, And so I don't have to worry as you start talking about your divorce about appearing uh, empathic. I don't have to worry about having empathic words for you. Or, or empathic solutions. I don't have to do anything except walk or run right next to you. That also means for me, who's doing the talking, telling you about my my divorce or my favorite cake, I can I have that burden taken off me too because I don't have to stand there going, well, as I'm talking, thinking, oh, Jesus, this poor person. They're having to listen to my, my story. I better dial it back or I better make it more interesting or I better do something as they try to care for the other person. There's no caring for other people. The magic is just in the being. And you have to do one of these things to witness how well it works. The, 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 the magic is just in the being. It's amazing how if you just walk or run next to somebody without saying anything, how close you can feel to them. And uh, the one detail I've left out is as you swap roles from runner from listener to uh, talker, uh, your job is also to very briefly give a sort of 10 word synopsis of what you've just heard. So I heard you talking about your favorite cake, or I heard you talking about your struggles. You don't say, I heard you talking about your favorite cake and I've got one too, or I heard you talking about your divorce and God, that must be difficult. No, just I heard you, what you were saying. It's enough just to be heard. It makes me think of active listening. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I talk about that in, in my book. Yeah, it's really important. Speaking of books, Running with Mindfulness, Dynamic Running Therapy, DRT to Improve Low Mood, Anxiety, Stress, and Depression. 
You talk about in the introduction that it doesn't necessarily have to be running. For example, I have knee issues. I've been doing my physical therapy religiously for like six months now. My knees are much stronger, but still yeah, running good. is tough for me. So I like that you say it doesn't have to be running. It's just something where you're going to get your, your blood going, right? It's going to flow a little faster. So I thought that was nice because some people might be like, oh, I can't run. Yeah, but while we're talking about two different things with the empathy walks and empathy runs, so I'm very happy for people's walks to be as slow and uh, as you like. But with the dynamic running therapy, which you can walk uh, rather than run, that sh yes, that should be a, a hardy walk, enough to, 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 to get you uh, invested uh, mentally and um, physically in what you're engaged in uh, intellectually and emotionally. Well, let's talk about that. Walk us through dynamic running therapy. So if you download my app, which is, by the way, completely free the whole way through and called dynamic running therapy, uh, you'll hear on the various programs for uh, mindful running, mindful walking. You just listen to me as I talk about these, as I give you a session for one of these things. But the, the dynamic running therapy part are two sessions, two 20-session programs, one for depression, one for anxiety. And the way those work is that you, and you may listen to them in any order you like, and you may listen to them over and over again. But each session is 20 minutes long. I talk for about 13 minutes of each session. Uh, I, and the rest is silence as I ask a bunch of questions uh, for you to consider about your relationship with yourself, your family, your expectations of the world, your past, everything that can be relevant to anxiety or depression. And then I ask you finally, when you think that you've run or walked with this for long enough, that you've really got deep into all these things, you've answered all these questions, or all the ones that seemed important. I ask you to write uh, what I call the final synopsis which is a, uh, oh, and, and by the way, while you're running or walking, on, on your phone screen uh, will be a microphone icon. So you can tap on that at any time to uh, initiate recording. It's a big thing, so it's easy to tap, a big icon, size of your screen. And then you record the answers to all these questions. So I take you on this journey, and you're transcribing all your answers, and you're getting to know yourself deeper and deeper and deeper. And... At the end, you write this final synopsis, which is a, uh, a synopsis of, of, of your life, really, uh, where you've been, where you are, and, and where you hope or feel you're heading, or any version of that. I'm kind of relaxed. I, I just want people to write a, uh, a letter, really, that sort of marks the end of that part of their journey. They can revisit it if they want, but there needs to be a marking. There needs to be a ritual. That's the ritual. Wow, that's incredible. Okay, I have to download your app. I have to do this and then have you back on because it's something I'd really like to oh, try. When I was 28, my mother died, and then six months later, my beloved grandfather died, and then six months later, a seven-year relationship broke up, and then a few months later, my dad remarried, and it was just like, <laughs> I was just really depressed. Um, and I kind of felt right. like I, I lived for a while with that feeling of the other shoe's going to drop. Like I had trouble when things were going smoothly. I just kept looking around going, okay, you know, cause it just boom, 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 you know, all these things. It was really, really rough. 
And I did find that exercise and other things help. But there was a while where I, I felt like I, I, I call it walking through yogurt. Like I was just, everything was so difficult to just get, like the littlest thing was a challenge. Well, I think that's when a bit of therapy sometimes can help you. You know, there's, 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 there's uh, grieving. Nobody can help you with grief, really, at the end of the day. And it's a necessary passage that you must take. And in fact, just in the same way that therapists prefer not to work with addicts that are using, I think there's only so much point in working with somebody who's newly grieving. I know a lot of therapists choose not to because they feel that it's not useful to anybody. Uh, people who have grieving disorders, obviously. But in, um, yeah, life is tough. Life is tough. And uh, often a therapist can help you through. Um, but perhaps part of their job is to remind you that life is tough and to get you better equipped to deal with those tough times rather than taking you to a place where you believe that the world is just a happy yeah, and safe place. Exactly. <laughs> Getting back into your wonderful book, uh, in the title, Running yeah. with Mindfulness, we hear this term a lot. When you use it, what does it mean to you? Do you, do you have a, a mindfulness practice yourself? I have a mindful mindfulness practice around eating as much as I can. If I'm with my family, uh -huh. it's tougher because we want to have conversations. But when I'm eating, I'm not on my wow. device. Um, I mean, okay, I'll, sometimes if it's a really nice looking meal, I'll take a picture, but then I'll put my device away and I'll eat and I'll just like focus on the food, focus on the flavors. And I do that, especially if it's something decadent. For example, I don't eat pasta very often. So I went to this restaurant yesterday, it was new in town and they make homemade pasta. And I thought it has been ages. And I ate that meal so slowly and so mindfully. I, I really would like to get a mindful practice in terms of meditation. I, I still struggle with that. Um, I do walk in the woods every day. Sometimes I listen to podcasts. Sometimes I don't. The other day, my phone mm. battery died, and I was actually glad because I was just completely in the moment with the sounds of the leaves crunching under my feet and a little bit of drizzle on my face and the hearing the dogs chasing things. And it, it was good. So I think I'm going to try that more. So I would say, yeah, a little bit, but not as much as I'd like. Can, can you imagine a mindful eating book? I mean, it's a great idea. Yeah, they have they have them. I've interviewed. By the way, the book is Savor, Mindful Eating, Mindful Life. It is uh, Thich Nhat Hanh with Lillian uh, Chung, uh, March 8th, 2011. Yeah, so I knew it was a while ago, but that was a great book. But it, there's a whole bunch of them now. But uh, yeah, that's something that I'm definitely into. Doing the, the podcast that I do, I, they're, I'm very mindful because I'm right in the moment. I'm listening. I'm super engaged. And it's great. Yeah, I do. Um, I love a bit of mindful walking, which is, you know, is really slows it down and you can hear every crunch and you get it. You get to step out of that can do kind of mindset that's plowing through the day and, uh, and replace it with somebody who's floating through the day, which after all, you know, where the hell are you trying to get to on that wall? You know, what the... It's just just slow down. There's, you're not you know, getting there faster. It's not going to change anything. You know, you didn't go out there to. It's just. I, I think I, my sister loves. Most English people love to charge around the countryside. You know, like it's still the Second World War. You know, blitz. They've got this sort of blitz uh, attitude. They can't must must get it done. Well, 
don't go out in the rain if it, what, what? <laughs> there's no war going on just relax you know if you like the rain then walk slowly enjoy the rain don't plow through it there's there's no more plowing this is it this is the whole deal right here right now this is it and and as you'll know from your mindfulness practice that's what mindfulness is all about it's asking you to come into the here and now and and see if you can be okay with that you know and 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 teach you this wonderful skill of it's almost like depersonalization where you just you inhabit the moment but you as you will know you don't evaluate it you don't go this is good or this is bad you you go beyond that to a place where you just are you know and you're okay with just being what you are all those concerns of needing to know is this good or is this bad what shall I do with this moment? How do I make this moment better? What does this moment say about my past, present, or future? You can let go of all of that and just be in the moment. Let's. I want to get back into DRT. In the book, you have what is it particularly good for? You have becoming unstuck, dealing with anger, uh, working through relationship problems. Let's let's talk a little bit about dealing with anger. How does it help with that? Pick up the book. You'll see there are twenty sessions or sixteen sessions. Uh, and so I give you a subject like anger and you read about it and then you run with it. And it in therapy, we believe that by becoming more familiar with what, with our process, with our personal process, what makes us tick, why we're ticking, then we can tick uh, in a different way in the future. We can turn it on and off with greater skill than we are at the moment. And, and that, um, and that it's self-awareness that leads to that. And so that's all that's all that my app does, that all the, all the book does. Obviously, I can't be there when you're reading the book to share the moment with you in person. So the best I can do is to raise this awareness. So there's a bit missing. Uh, and I've always said, you know, for anybody who, who feels like they you've got quite a long way with the book or the app and but not all the way then get yourself a professional and uh, and and go that last bit uh, but for some people it's enough and i'm very proud of the fact that my my app is free and and uh, and the book's not very expensive either and with that you might well deal with uh, with a lot now of course with anxiety and and and, and anger uh, running helps burn that off, but it can also, if you end up striving too much, if you if you make the mistake of thinking the further I run, the less anger I'll have, <laughs> you'll soon you'll soon find yourself you know in a real pickle as you get actually more and more angry rather than less and less angry because uh, you'll you'll run into your anger and and I do also say this and I'm glad to remind myself of this and your listeners that. Um, uh, that running and, and all forms of exercise are fantastic for general mental well-being and they can be used therapeutically, but they can also uh, be abused. And I don't just mean by running too much or by making the gym the only thing in your life. Those are obvious things. But I mean that I mean that one of the reasons that we can we sometimes choose to run, an awful a lot, an awful a large amount, and, and another reason we might spend all day in the gym is because it's easier than confronting ourselves and our problems. And if you are right now listening to this and you're hiding out in your wellness bubble, then 
you know, uh, slow it down a bit and, um, and and take a moment to be more honest with yourself. Maybe get yourself a therapist. If wellness is not making you happy and it doesn't make everybody happy all the time, it may be that you have something bigger going on, uh, in which case no amount of wellness is going to uh, to sort that out. Yeah, and I love in the book, too, how you write, it takes courage to wake up to ourselves, right? And, yeah. and it's it's t it's difficult. And you write, uh, not being truly at peace with who you are can lead to a lifetime of anxiety. Once you stop deceiving yourself, what you find will be refreshing. If your truth is fantasy, such as avoidance, will not lead to safety or happiness. You can tell yourself that you are happy in your current relationship or that your dream job you worked for many years to achieve is going well. But if those tales are false, you will corrode your sense of well-being from the inside out. That's powerful. That is powerful. I didn't realize I was such a good writer. You're such a good writer. <laughs> I've got it. Uh, where do you get this book from? I need to buy a copy. I know. Just again, the book is so good. And you are wonderful. I mean, you're just such a joy to speak with, William. I mean, we oh, just you. for well, people listening, too. William and I have been trying to set this up for a long time, just different schedule conflicts, technological issues. But I tell you, I am so glad. The book is Running with Mindfulness, Dynamic Running Therapy, DRT to Improve Low Mood, Anxiety, Stress, and Depression. William Pullen. So William, you still work with people one-on-one -on -one, uh, where you live? Yes, I do, uh, both in my office and uh, in the park. If it's dynamic running therapy, then it's in the park. If it's with regular, my regular practice, it's in my consulting room. I do do, um, I do the DRT walking with clients remotely. So we'll oh, both be do. on the phone. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I do. Any, any, any one of your listeners who, who wants a session, uh, uh, and can work with the time difference between us, which is remind me what are your Eastern Standard Time? I'm London, so I'm five hours ahead. So with the book Running with Mindfulness, you're going to have the DRT that you can do, but then also with the app. And tell us again how to get the app. So I'm afraid at this point it's only available for uh, iOS, in other words, for Apple devices. Uh, and it's called Dynamic Running Therapy. That's all you need to know. Uh, you download it and the rest uh, will seem self-evident, I hope. Oh, well, you are absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, I'm just so excited that we finally got to connect, William. And everyone should go watch your TED Talks, read your books, get your app. I'm going to get your app. I'm going to use it. And it's one of those things you can just use it for as long as you want, right? I mean, it's, it's, you just can keep yeah. doing the practice. Okay. Yeah, and, sure. uh, yeah, okay, good. Um, so I encourage everyone to check you out. Give us your website. So my website is either williampullenpsychotherapist.com, and that pullen is P U L L E N, or uh, dynamicrunningtherapy.com. Either of those have a contact me page on them. And uh, I can be found there. It's probably the easiest way. I'm on uh, Twitter as well, at Pullen Therapy, Instagram, D underscore running therapy. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you so much, William, for coming on Talk Healthy today. Again, remember to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family, and be sure to keep listening to Talk Healthy today.